What's going on, everybody? Thank you so much for kicking off your week with us. This is your Monday edition of Fantasy MLB Today. We are a sports ethos presentation, of course, and I'm your host, Joe Orico. You can find me on Twitter at JoeOrico99 and also at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S, FantasyBB. That's where we post out all of our new podcasts, articles, different news and notes. Everything that we got going on the baseball side, you guys can check out at EthosFantasyBB on Twitter and also at SportsEthos.com. The website, you guys can go and hover over the MLB tab or over the premium tab. You guys can get one of our lovely passes, whether it's a fantasy pass, a DFS pass, a wager pass. We got a ton of different options. We also have some free stuff going on. And every article we post on the baseball side that does have a paywall, there is always a free preview. So even if you're not somebody who is a subscriber, you can still check out our content and see if it is something that you want to uh, go ahead and invest a couple bucks in. It's very affordable. I believe the fantasy pass is five bucks, maybe six bucks a month, uh, and you get access to all of our major sports in there. So take a look there uh, at sportsethos.com over the MLB tab or the premium tab. Guys, we're going to recap a couple things that happened over the last couple of days. Really kind of a quiet weekend, which is good uh, with all the injuries that we had seen so far to start the year, it's kind of nice to have a quieter weekend. There's still a couple of injuries that we are going to talk about because, of course, it's not a perfect world. Uh, but there is not really as much as we have had to deal with so far uh, over this past weekend. The way it had been projecting out, you would have thought a couple more players would have gone down. But um, so far, I mean, there was a couple of guys we are going to get to that did go down, but it wasn't the big name brand that we have seen go down so far. So we are going to talk about some of those news and notes. Of course, I'm going to go over my notes from Twitter uh, that I had from yesterday's games. We are going to look at some two-star pitching options and some streaming options for tomorrow in general. And we are also going to take a couple of your questions. I did a little bit of a mailbag over on Twitter, so you guys can usually see those about once a week. I'll do a question on Twitter uh, that I'll bring over to the pod. If you're interested in having your own question heard, uh, go ahead and follow me there at JoeOrico99. But let's start out here. Logan O'Hoppy. This one stings. I had Logan O'Hoppy in a couple of leagues. Somebody that I was fairly invested in once we knew he was going to be at the big league level. Uh, Logan O'Hoppy is going to be out four to six months with a torn labrum. This one seems for sure, because I saw some reports that said it was likely he was going to be out, and that's where you're always you're kind of questioning it. Uh, but from what I am seeing here, he is going to be out for pretty much the rest of the season here. When you're talking four to six months, at this point, you have to figure he's a drop everywhere, right? Even if we're looking at four months, that's like the end of August where he'd be coming back. And, you know, you're going to hold him for that long. I, I don't really know if you are. In a one-catcher league, there's really no point. In a two-catcher league, I understand wanting to hold on just because there's just so few options on the waiver wire. If you have unlimited IL, I suppose you could. But he'd have to meet the shorter end of this timeline uh, for it to really matter at all for fantasy purposes. So I think Logan Ahapi, unfortunately... He is going to have to be a drop in all formats. I dropped him in a league yesterday in an NFBC two-catcher league. That's where there's no IL. So with no IL, you really you don't have a choice but to drop him. If you have unlimited spots, I guess I could see the argument to be made. If you want to hang on, I guess. Uh, but you're going to need that IL spot. You probably already do, the way like I alluded to earlier. The season has gone so far for a lot of fantasy managers. You probably don't have the luxury of just having a bunch of extra IL spots. So he's likely a drop. Uh, pretty much in all formats, unfortunately, for Logan O'Hoppy there. Let's talk Garrett Mitchell. Now, this one is a little more gray at this point. Garrett Mitchell, they are saying that he is maybe done for the season. He may require season-ending surgery. At this point, he's on the 10-day IL with shoulder inflammation. 
He could be facing uh, season-ending surgery. He had an MRI that had significant damage. I think this is probably not good. Now, he is going to have a second opinion. So I think maybe if you're still holding on to him, you might just want to see what the verdict is here. Maybe the second opinion is not as bad. Maybe, no, it's just, you know, a few weeks on the shelf with something. I'm... I'm very far from a medical expert from what I'm reading here from the Roto-Wire update. Uh, he is going to have a second or possibly even a third medical opinion on the matter. So where you are holding on to Garrett Mitchell, I think regardless of your league size, he's probably somebody that I would still be holding on to. You know, uh, Is he going to have like game-changing potential in your shallow formats? Probably not there. Like If you want to move on in a 10-team league, still... I would probably just see what's going on. I mean, maybe he's a fringe guy in a 10-team league anyway, but I'd probably just wait and see what the verdict is here because we know there's good power potential, there's good speed. He's not going to hit for a crazy high average, but it could be somewhere you know reasonable, 240, 250. So far, he's been 259. So it can be a reasonable batting average with a decent little power speed mix. I would caution just dropping him unless you really need the spot because I would just want to see what the exact verdict is here on Garrett Mitchell before I'm really ready uh, to move on where I still have him. I haven't, I haven't in one league. I'm in a 15 team league and I am not making a move on it just yet. I and it's a weekly moves league where you have weekly transactions. It's the NFBC league. And I figured I would just hold off and see what exactly uh, the news is going to be here on Garrett Mitchell. Let's talk Nate Pearson. He is going to be coming up to the big leagues. This one is interesting. We've talked about Nate Pearson a few times uh, over the course of the offseason. We've talked about Nate Pearson a lot in the baseball world over the last few years. We know the prospect pedigree there. He was expected to be a top starting pitcher. It's not going to happen at this point. We talked with Keegan Matheson, who's a Jays reporter uh, for MLB.com. He was on the show it was right before the season started, and we were talking about Nate Pearson. And he said there's just no chance uh, that Nate Pearson is going to be uh, a major league starting pitcher at this point. He is going to be a minor league, or excuse me, he is going to be a relief pitcher, and that's just okay uh, because the way that he is able to strike out batters is just absurd. At this point in AAA, limited sample size, he has a 45% strikeout rate. Now, he's still walking way too many batters. Uh, you know, it's a 14% strikeout rate, but I think. He is somebody down the line where there is potential for him to be a, a big-time asset in fantasy as a closer. I don't know. I, I really doubt that the Blue Jays are going to give him a chance to be a closer this year. There would have to be some catastrophic event where Romano's hurt, and I, I don't think they would even go to Nate Pearson directly after. I think it would probably be more of a Yimmy Garcia kind of situation maybe or a Swanson I don't think that Pearson would be the guy that they directly turn to. But I think that because of the ability to strike batters out, I think that there is still potential there for him to be an arm. You know, uh, Tyler, Backpick Fantasy on Twitter, who is one of our contributors at Sports Ethos here on, on the baseball side, he always talks about the value that there is in rostering a couple of relievers who have a high strikeout upside, and we know Pearson has that, who are also able to give you uh, pretty solid ratios. Now, the ratios so far to this point in time with him have been kind of iffy at the big league level. He has not been solid uh, by any stretch of the imagination. But I think that it's still too early to say that that's just going to be who he is, the guy who came up and it was going to be up too many home runs, and he just overall was not looking very good, no control at the big league level. He was still striking batters out. Uh, but I think that there is potential for Nate Pearson to be kind of a sneaky ad. He's only 2% rostered in Yahoo leagues. He's obviously somebody that I think is more interesting from a dynasty point of view, because I think 
the Blue Jays could eventually maybe turn to Nate Pearson as kind of a closer. And even if they don't, you know, like I mentioned, he could be somebody who is like an Andres Munoz type from last year if he is able. And it's early enough in the season where he's still going to be able to rack up those stats to accumulate over the course of a whole season where you're talking Roto. And even if it's head-to-head, I think in, in any format, Nate Pearson potentially could be somebody who is worth picking up. I wouldn't go and make the move just yet in a 10 or a 12-team league. I think that we're going to probably see him start out as more of a middle relief kind of role. He'll come in and he'll pitch a fifth inning here or he'll pitch a sixth inning there or something. I don't think we'll see him seventh, eighth, or ninth innings. Um, But I think that there is some potential, certainly in deeper leagues where you are scrounging for any potential saves or any potential arms at all uh, that could be viable, potentially from a strikeout point of view. I think that there could be some potential in Nate Pearson there. All right, let's talk about my notes that I made from yesterday's games. Masataka Yoshida. I've mentioned him a few times. I don't understand why his roster percentage was going down on Yahoo. It went down from 85 down to 74. Today it's back up uh, to 77%. It's still too low. You know, we saw, and I, I mentioned this last Friday on the show, we talked about Yoshida because he had a good game. And I thought the people were kind of writing him off a little too soon, seeing the roster percentage dip. And it wasn't a small dip, right? 11% of Yahoo leagues were talking thousands of players there who thought that, you know, that, that Yoshida did not warrant a roster spot. We're talking about a guy who is potentially capable of giving you 20-plus home runs. You know, you're talking in the neighborhood of 150, 160 RBIs. He'll chip in some steals, and he'll have a batting average that's going to be, I think, damn near close to 300. It might not be 300, but I think in the 270, 280 range is probably where he's going to settle in. He's at 230 right now. And again, we've talked about this. It's so early in the season. These numbers are still stabilizing, but he did have an 0 for 11 stretch there. Uh, when he first came back off the, I don't even know if he was on the injured list or if he just was off for a few. I don't think he actually did go on the injured list. He just missed some time with a hamstring. But he was 0 for 11 there when he first came back. If you take away that 0 for 11, I'm just going to do this here. I didn't do this before. I'm just thinking about it now. Um, let's see what he would be. He'd be batting 277 right now. If you took away that initial three-game stretch when he first came off the IL, so it's still, or not even off the IL, off of his injury when he first came back into the lineup. So it's still very early. These numbers are still stabilizing. Yoshida is somebody where if he's available, he should be added in your league. And me, like an idiot, like a moron, uh, he was available in in one of my leagues. Uh, I literally, this morning, I saw that somebody had added him, and I was thinking, Jesus, I'm telling people to go and add him. I'm not taking my own advice. He was sitting there, and I could have added him up potentially for a couple of different people. But it's okay. I have a couple of shares of Yoshida. Very happy that I do. He is somebody that is a must-roster player if you are able to find him on the waiver wire. Not something that I would expect. He's probably not going to be somebody that is on many of your waiver wires. This is probably more shallow leagues. Maybe a 10-team league. Uh, But even there, I think that Yoshida is somebody who should be rostered. Three outfield, five outfield, whatever we're talking. He should not uh, be on as many waiver wires as he is. And it's not a lot, but he shouldn't be on as many as he is. Ryan Anderson, again, I I talked about this one last week. He's been trying to trick us here uh, with these little hot stretches. You know, he's yesterday he had, I think it was a couple of home runs yesterday. Um, But it's, you know, people are going to be baited into adding him. A couple percent went up and added him there from 61 to 63 percent. And to this point, Yahoo, uh, according to their rankings, he's a top 50 player. But there's just no real upside in Brian Anderson. The lineup that he's in is okay. You know, Milwaukee's lineup is fine. It's not going to blow you away. It's not terrible. It's just very average, I think. The home runs are not going to stick. We're talking about a guy who has not ever been a home run guy outside of the one year where everybody was a home run guy uh, in 2019. Brian Anderson 
you know, you're looking at a career high of outside of that season, 11 home runs, you know, throwing away the 20 he hit in 2019 because there were so many unstable numbers, you know, Jeff McNeil, Christian Vasquez, and you can go on and on and on about 2019 and the unsustainable homers that we saw. Outside of that year, Brian Anderson's career high is 11. So has he drastically changed something here at age 30 where he can be uh, somebody who is like a shallow league viable asset? Maybe he has, but I'm just doubting that based on what we've seen throughout the course of his whole career. We're not talking about somebody who just came into the league. He's been around since 2017. There's no speed there. He's topped out at five steals one time, or twice, actually, sorry. He hit five steals twice. So can he chip in a couple? Maybe he can chip in a couple. It's going to come with a fairly poor batting average. We're talking about, you know, maybe not awful, but in the 250 kind of range. They're just pretty limited upside. Like, I don't, I don't fault you if you want to ride out what has been a hot streak so far, but I wouldn't do it at the expense of anybody who is going to be an established fantasy player for him. You know, I get questions. People are talking about dropping. Uh, you know, I, I can't even think of an example off the top of my head, but there are very established fantasy players that people are ready to be dropping, and people are dropping, and they probably shouldn't be. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at with Anderson. He's not somebody where I would add him at the expense of, you know, even uh, Yoshida, as people are still kind of dropping Yoshida or, or anybody. There's there's so many players who I get questions on. I, I literally can't think of one off the top of my head right here. Like, um, even in Isak Paredes, people have been talking about dropping Isak Paredes a lot. Like, I, I'll take him. You know, we saw it even last year in a short sample size. The power it looks very much legit, even though he's going through a bit of a, a spell right now. I just, there, there's too many examples of guys who have been kind of slumping to start the year. Um, but I wouldn't drop any of those kind of players in exchange for a Brian Anderson. I just don't think that there's enough upside there to warrant shallow league viability. In a 15-team league, yeah, you'll take pretty much any warm body you can get at third base uh, eligible. I can't remember actually if he's third base on NFBC or not, but he's third base and outfield uh, on Yahoo. I don't know, guys. Uh, maybe I'm bashing him a little bit too much. Maybe Brian Anderson is better than I am giving him credit for. Maybe he has actually changed something. I just, I always tend to be more skeptical when there's this kind of little hot streak at the beginning of the year where it's like, uh, you know, if he carries it on longer than you'd start to believe it. But at this point, it's like, you know, we're still talking about 20 games or so, which could be if it happened in the middle of the season, you'd pick him up and you'd drop him again. If you are going to pick him up, I just wouldn't do it at the expense of anybody that you put a lot of draft capital into that you had higher expectations of because I'm just really not a big fan uh, of Brian Anderson. And I feel like I've bashed him maybe too much at this point. He's not a terrible ball player or anything. He just has pretty limited upside uh, from a fantasy point of view, in my opinion. So not a big fan there, not somebody that I would go out of my way to go and add. <clears throat> Let's talk Brandon Marsh. He is somebody uh, that I think I would be going out of my way and adding. He's mashing. He's getting at-bats in the middle of the Phillies lineup. There was a weird game there where he went down and batted eighth. I think that might have been against the uh, left-handed pitcher. But he has been batting fifth um, pretty consistently. We know that the power is there. He's already hit four home runs in these 21 games. We've seen it at the minor league levels, good power numbers. The speed is what is really enticing, and he hasn't even done that yet. <clears throat> he only has stolen one base so far, but we've seen it at different levels of the minor leagues, 18 steals, 10 steals, 10 steals uh, numerous times. So that's something that you can look forward to eventually coming to fruition. There are some steals with Brandon Marsh, and I think the batting average is going to probably settle in, probably in that 250 range. But when you're talking about somebody 
in the middle of a good, solid Phillies lineup that's soon going to be getting Bryce Harper back. And even if that pushes him down a spot in the order, then it, which it probably will, it, it doesn't even matter because you're just adding more potential for runs and RBIs there. So no problem there. I think that he is an ad. Uh, he's somebody who could be a low-end five-category asset in fantasy leagues. And by low-end, I mean he's not going to be a five-category guy as in like a Trey Turner five-category league guy, but he can be somebody who doesn't really hurt you in anywhere where he's kind of helping you everywhere as well. He's not going to help you as much as he currently has in the batting average department. He's batting 364, but I think he can probably keep up like a 250, maybe even because of the hot stretch, he'll end up like a 270 maybe. But the rest of the way, look maybe to like a 250, 260 batting average with solid counting stats, good power, and good speed numbers uh, there from Brandon Marsh. Definitely an interesting player. He was 60% rostered in Yahoo Leagues yesterday. He's jumped up to 65% rostered. Uh, that was because he hit a home run yesterday. So that's why people uh, went ahead and added him, and good for them because he is somebody who should be on more rosters than he is. Jorge Polanco, uh, he's back. He hit a home run, in his, uh, first home run in his third game of the season. He went three for four. Now he's about 60% rostered in Yahoo Leagues as well. Let me just take a look and see if that has jumped up at all. 62% now, considering the scarcity at second base, considering the fact that he's going to have everyday role in a very solid lineup. He's batting third today. Uh, you know, they're not the greatest lineup in the world, but, you know, third uh, batting third in a, any batting order pretty much will give you kind of viability uh, when somebody with a decent track record like Polanco, I know he had a down year last year, but he's just a year removed from a, a very solid 2021 uh, at second base too. Like I think he's somebody who should be rostered in more than 62% of leagues. He's somebody who is pretty interesting to me. Jaron Duran, so far he's looked pretty damn good. He's nine for his first 23, four runs scored, six ribbies, two stolen bases. You know, he's only, you know, we're talking about eight, 10% rostered in Yahoo leagues. It was 8% last night. I'm going to assume uh, before I put it in here, there's about 10. Oh, he's jumped up to 11% rostered in Yahoo leagues. Good for the people uh, for adding Jaron Duran. I don't think he's a 12-team guy just yet. That's where I'd worry a little bit. Uh, just because of the playing time, I don't know that he is necessarily going to have an everyday role. He has to this point. Maybe it sticks. That's where I would kind of worry a little bit. He's at the bottom of the order. So it might limit you overall in terms of counting stats. It's been a good stretch there. Uh, but I think that he is a 15-team kind of guy based on the playing time to this point. Uh, and I think he's a watch list in, in anything more shallow. I'm just not sure that we're going to necessarily see him play every single day uh, the rest of the season. If he does, is like I said, bottom of the order at bat, 7th, 8th, ninth. Maybe he's able to go and bat leadoff, because I believe he did a few times last year uh, leadoff for them when he was up. But I don't know that he is somebody who at this point is like a shallow league guy. He's still somebody that I'd more look at uh, in a 15-team league. Jorge Soler, to this point, he's looked pretty good. Um, but I am just not really convinced he's an ad uh, outside of deeper leagues. I, I, Jorge Soler has done the same thing every every time we, we see him out there, right? It's home runs and it's nothing else. Like you might get, you know, he'll chip in some RBIs. You get the power stats, essentially, from Jorge Soler. You're not going to get a ton of runs. You're going to get no steals, like almost pretty much zero steals, uh, and a fairly poor batting average. We're talking about somebody who, you know, he's probably going to give you a 220, 230 kind of batting average, maybe. And everybody's pointing to, you know, he looks better this season. Stackhouse looks better. Even if he does look better, we're talking best-case scenario. Maybe he is able to, you know, sneak his way to like 25, 28 home runs. At that point, maybe you look back on it and say he's probably like a back-end 12-team guy. But even then... You know, when you're not getting anything in terms of stolen bases, you're getting like pretty much as let me, let me look at the career stolen base numbers here for him. Uh, it is 10. He has 10 stolen bases over the course of his career going back to 2014. So 
You're not getting anything there. Batting average for the career, 242. Over the last three seasons, we're looking at 207, 223, 228. Uh, you know, I'm just not really sold on Jorge Soler at this point. I understand if you want to take a chance because maybe you need some power. I just think that there are better options on most 12-team waiver wires that I would rather turn to than Soler. He's just not, <clears throat> he's not really that interesting to me. I, again, I understand the power is interesting, but that's pretty much all you're getting. And if it's just power you're looking for, there are, there are more options out there usually. And, you know, maybe you're just so desperate you don't even care. Maybe you're so far behind in the, in the power stats categories in your Roto League to this point, you just need to catch up a bit. Okay, understandable. Uh, but in most situations, he's not somebody that I'd really be targeting. Let's talk Jack Sawinski. He has impressed me a lot. He stole two bases yesterday. And, you know, the power we know is there. If he is able to start stealing bases, Jack Sawinski could be somebody where there's actually a lot of fantasy juice. You know, we saw it in the minors that he can steal some bases. We saw it at different levels of the minor league, seven here and four there and seven again and four here. You know, last year, over the course of 106 games, he had four steals. He's already got two now because he stole two yesterday in 16 games. To go along with five home runs, he's batting 255. You know, I don't know that he's going to be able to steal a lot of bases for you, but maybe he's able to sneak his way to 10, you know, eight, 10 stolen bases with the environment that we have around stolen bases this season. Maybe he's able to do that for you. He is an interesting pickup, I think, and more so in deeper leagues, um, but I think that there's potential for more if he is able to keep up what he's doing to this point. You know, he jumped up last night. He was 10% rostered in Yahoo leagues, up to 15. You know, to this point, he is a top 200 player overall. He's 170th, according to the way that Yahoo does their rankings. I think Razball is more reliable when you're looking at in terms of, you know, to-date rankings for season players. Uh, but, you know, Yahoo, I think it's fairly comparable. He's a top 200 player to this point. I don't know if he's going to keep that up, but I think, you know, he's a, he's a must-play in 15-team, in five-outfielder leagues for sure. In your more shallow leagues, I think it's a little more questionable, but we know the power is there. Uh, you know, the batting average is not quite there. If it's an OBP league, for sure, he's a must-add guy because, you know, we've seen it this to this point. He's walking 18%. He's always been a strong walk rate guy in the minors. So definitely an OBP league guy. <clears throat> His OBP this season is 383 thus far. Definitely somebody uh, that I am interested in, uh, more so in deeper leagues. But I think even in your shallow league, you're going to probably have to put him on the watch list and just see if he is able to keep up this power. Like, I, maybe you're going to miss out on him at that point. I just don't know. Uh, again, going back to an earlier point, if you're going to drop, like, an established outfielder for him in a three-outfielder league, because we've talked about this a lot, too. Uh, in your standard Yahoo league, in most leagues, you have three outfielders. Some you have four. A lot of teams, or a lot of leagues, are 12-teamers. So you're talking 36 outfielders, maybe 48 outfielders if you're talking you know some maybe ESPN has four outfielders or maybe they've changed that to three now I stopped playing on ESPN this year uh they just they lost my business I just couldn't do it anymore um I just play on fan tracks I play on Yahoo predominantly and the and actually the NFBC predominantly this year historically uh, more Yahoo uh ESPN kind of lost my business so I'm not really sure what they're doing but usually you're talking three outfielders you're talking between 36 and 48 outfielders that are going to be rostered in your league if you want to call it maybe 50 55 with utility spots and bench guys, okay, 55. Is Jack Sawinski a top 55 outfielder? I don't know. Maybe he's the back end of that. Maybe he is even better than that. You know, at this point, it, it's hard to say. Uh, if you're talking the shallower end of that spectrum, if you're talking a 12-team league where there's three outfielders, is he a top 36 or call it top 40 outfielder? I don't 
think that he is, you know, and, you know, even if you're in 10 team leagues, a lot of people play 10 team leagues. Again, I just don't know that he is going to be cutting it there uh, from an outfielder point of view. Maybe if you want to put him in your utility spot, um, I just don't know about the shallow leagues yet. If he's able to keep up the power and we're able to maybe see some more speed, then I would be more convinced into adding him. He's not somebody that's been such a hot commodity. Like I said, 15% rostered. You don't have to sprint and rush to add him in your shallow leagues. You can kind of wait and see how this plays out. If he's able to keep it up for a while, it might come to a point where he has a three home run day and then people just go and rush to add him. But at this point, I think you're just kind of sitting on Jack Sawinski uh, in your shallower leagues and adding him in the deeper ones. Okay, let's talk about some of the two-star pitching options that we have for this week. There are some interesting ones, uh, even at the top end of the spectrum here. So let's start out. Uh, let's just go through the vast majority of him real quick here. We don't have to spend too much time on some of the obvious ones here. Spencer Strider, he's a pretty obvious play. Uh, Miami and the Mets. Nestor Cortez gets Minnesota and Texas. That's beautiful. It starts to get a little interesting with Logan Gilbert, though. Like, you're going to play him because he's, you know, he's an elite arm, Logan Gilbert, and, you know, He's not somebody you know where he was a cheap get. Uh, he's looked very good so far this season. You spent a lot to get him. Granted, his last start was not the greatest against Milwaukee, but overall, you're talking about a guy with a three five seven ERA, twenty eight Ks so far in twenty two innings. He looked very good, um, but he gets at Philly and then at Toronto. I think you're starting him, but it's going to be a little bit tricky. I'm starting him in the league where I have him, uh, but it's gonna it's gonna hurt a little bit. Uh, next up, Drew Rasmussen, Houston, and the White Sox. Yes, you're starting him there. Jordan Montgomery gets San Francisco and the Dodgers. Yes, he is a start there. Charlie Morton, Miami, and the Mets. Yes, he is a start. Marcus Stroman, Miami, and Miami. That's very interesting. Actually, no, sorry. That one, it's not actually. Oh, I think Fancy Pros actually has something going on in their system here with that game because he's not actually going to get a two-start, I don't think. Uh, Chris Bassett, he's getting a two-start. Sorry, I think, yeah, Fantasy Pros messed up something there. Uh, Chris Bassett, he gets a two-start against the White Sox and then against Seattle. Yes, he is a must-start there. Alex Cobb, St. Louis and San Diego. Alex Cobb might be available in some of your leagues. There's always, you know, people are never really that interested in Alex Cobb for some reason. He's up to 59% rostered. To this point, he's done a very good job. Last year, I was one of the biggest fans of him in the baseball Twitter world, oh, in the fantasy baseball Twitter world. I was talking him up a lot. He's still 59% rostered with two starts on the horizon there. Uh, I would be taking a look and seeing if Alex Cobb is available. I realize I'm recording this one a little bit later than I should be. Um, it's just been a little bit busy. I'm just finishing up with school, and it's going to be done. And I'll be getting the Monday shows out earlier for two starts. I'm going to maybe even get them out like Sunday evening. Um, we'll try and do something like that. So apologies there if you can't get these guys into your lineups. Um, but we're going to talk about some guys who are going Tuesday as well. And I think the first one that people are going to maybe look at here, it's going to be kind of interesting and kind of tricky as well, Martin Perez. Now, Martin Perez, to this point, you know, he's been pretty solid. Uh, he's a 3 3 ERA. He's won three of his starts, uh, three out of his four starts. He's looked pretty good. The matchups are at Cincy and then against the Yankees at home. That is going to be very tricky. I don't know that I would advise adding him. He's 57% rostered. I don't know that I would advise playing him or adding him in that situation. It is going to be kind of tricky. Uh, he starts tomorrow, so there's time to kind of think this one over. But for right now, I don't know that I necessarily want to be doing it. In a deeper league, you kind of have to be doing it. You know, when you have a guy, I heard them talking about this on the sleeper and the bust. That's the uh, the Fangraphs podcast with uh, Paul Spore and Justin Mason. They were talking about this. If you have a guy who has a two-start week, <clears throat> this specifically applies to weekly lineup leagues, and if you don't start him, 
then why are you rostering him, right? If he has two starts, but when they're both pretty rough, especially you know when it adds Cincy to start the week, it might just be real bad. And then you have like, even if the second one's good, it might just you know, and it's tough the second one too. It's I guess the Yankees, so uh, it's a real tricky one for me. I'm lucky enough that I don't have Martin Perez anywhere to have to make this decision, but I think I would lean on the side of caution and say you probably should not be using him there. Let's talk Justin Steele. I think that it's probably a foregone conclusion that he's already going to be rostered and started, but he's only 85% rostered in Yahoo leagues. It should be higher. He gets San Diego, and then he gets Miami later in the week. Justin Steele, big fan of what he did last year. So far, he's looked great. Not going to apply to many of you, but even if this is just a shallow league stream for you, let's say you're in an eight-team league, because that's pretty much the only place where I could see a guy like Justin Steele not being rostered. It's like an eight-team league then you can still pick him up as a streamer and you get him for two starts here, San Diego and at Miami. So he is definitely somebody I would look at as well. That one is tomorrow. Bailey Falter, he gets uh, Seattle and then he gets at Houston. I think it's okay. You know, it's it's kind of tough matchup-wise, but uh, I think it's more like a deeper league option. Bailey Falter might be. He's not somebody that I would really aim for uh, in your shallower formats. Brady Singer is an interesting one for me, uh, at Arizona and at Minnesota. He is somebody that was dropped in quite a few leagues. He's down to 59% rostered, has not looked very good at all this season. In fact, he has looked like shit. He's an 8-1-4 ERA. He has a 1-5-2 whip. He's not really striking guys out. Not that he's a massive strikeout guy, but less than a K per inning. Not a great way to start the season. He had a great first start of the year against Toronto, and then since then, a bad outing against San Francisco in San Fran and then bad at home against Atlanta and Texas. But he gets a nice little two-step here against Arizona and Minnesota. So if he's somebody who was dropped in your league, if you're in a weekly league specifically, uh, and you have that spot that you could think about for tomorrow, Brady Singer, I think that he is somebody that I would definitely uh, be taking a look at. Kyle Bradish as well. He starts tomorrow. He gets uh, Boston and then Detroit later in the week. Kyle Bradish was somebody that was interesting coming into the year. He got hurt in his first start of the season. Came back, looked very, very good. Now, albeit it was against the Nationals. Six innings, shutout ball, six strikeouts. He got the victory. He's up to 17% rostered. But I think based on this two-step, Boston and at Detroit, you're going to pick him up and you're going to probably be using him in a lot of leagues. I think he's a 12-team viable guy, potentially, Certainly, at least for that Detroit start. If you don't trust him against Boston, then whatever. Uh, I think you probably should. But if you don't, then you can still potentially pick him up later in the week for that Detroit start because he's only 17% rostered. Josiah Gray, he gets the Mets and he gets Pittsburgh. This one is interesting to me. Josiah Gray has been very good uh, so far this season. Uh, he's a 3.74 ERA. The Ks have not really been there, and you haven't got wins because you're pitching for a bad team. Uh, but he's looked pretty good overall so far this season. He's got Atlanta, at Colorado, at Los Angeles, and Baltimore so far. So not the easiest schedule either. He's actually got through it pretty okay. 7% rostered, uh, Josiah Gray. Now, at the Mets, that's tricky. But later in the week, you get Pittsburgh. I think in your weekly leagues, he's probably somebody that you should be starting if you have him. In a daily league, yeah, you probably don't start him against the Mets. But start him later in the week against Pittsburgh. He's somebody who is interesting. And only 7% rostered, uh, somebody that I would take a look at there. Noah Syndergaard, he's also kind of interesting to me. He's 45% rostered. He hasn't looked the greatest so far this season, but a lot of that inflated uh, ERA and whip number does come from that bad start against Arizona. Outside of that, he's looked pretty good. He had nine Ks against Chicago. Now his next time out against the Mets, only two strikeouts, but he did still uh, look pretty good. 
Overall, 491 ERA doesn't look great. 1-2-3 whip looks a little bit high, but you get a two-step here starting the week at Pittsburgh tomorrow and then home later in the week uh, against Seattle. So there's a lot of interest, I think, in Noah Syndergaard in deeper leagues and even in your more shallow formats, uh, considering he gets at Pittsburgh and home to St. Louis. In your daily leagues, I wouldn't start him at St. Louis, but I'd start against uh, Pittsburgh. He's a definite stream, uh, even if it's just for tomorrow. He's somebody that I would take a look at. Edward Cabrera, this one is tricky. Uh, at Atlanta to start off with, that'll be tonight. And then later on uh, in the week, he'll get Chicago. He's a start for me. I like the improvements that we've seen over the last couple of starts. He's got the control, like, looking pretty solid. It's not, like, all back together proper. Um, but, you know, Edward Cabrera... And there's a lot of pedig- a lot of pedigree there. Uh, I'm a big fan. I was a big fan coming into the year. I have him in a lot of leagues, and I am starting him this week uh, where I have him for what it is worth. That's pretty much it for the viable two starters. Um, you know, Johan Oviedo. Uh, I guess I missed out on Johan Oviedo there. Uh, he gets the Dodgers, though, in the first one, and then he gets Washington later on. So I, I don't know that he is necessarily somebody that I would um, want to be using in a weekly league. It's still... I'm still kind of iffy on him overall. I think that he was somebody who was worth adding and seeing how it goes, but that doesn't necessarily mean you start him against the Dodgers. So, Johan Oviedo, I'm not really sure if I would be starting him in a weekly. The second start against Washington, that's really nice. Um, I think maybe you would start him in a weekly, I guess. I just wouldn't feel good about it with that first start against the Dodgers. It really, uh, really would make me nervous. The last one who has any kind of viability, and again, this one is for, for deeper leagues. This is Spencer Turnbull. Uh, he's only 2% rostered in Yahoo leagues, but he has a pretty decent couple of matchups at Milwaukee and then against Baltimore. It's not the greatest, uh, but he is somebody where I had a lot of hope coming into the year. He looked very good against Toronto. Not as great against Cleveland last time out, uh, but still not bad. So he's somebody, I think, more of a deeper league guy for sure. But if you are just desperate for volume and you're looking for two starts, uh, Spencer Turnbull would be the last guy on this list that I looked for uh, in a two-start week here. Let's go and take a look at some of your questions. I try to go into this blind usually. Uh, I took a look earlier just because there was a couple of questions that were regarding uh, that were regarding lineup locks, and I wanted to get to those questions before um, you know you guys actually had to set your lineups in case you heard this one late. So I mentioned, uh, I, got, I gave some answers to those ones on Twitter, but we're going to talk about the questions that you guys gave me here uh, that were not so time uh, time sensitive. So let's talk about this first one here from Jack Lindsay. What do I do with Manny Machado? I know he's an MVP caliber player, uh, but his numbers are truly abysmal. Look to offload in a trade or hold and hope he turns it around. Manny Machado, you know, we're going to talk about this tomorrow. I, I should have mentioned off the top. Uh, Chris Towers, host or co-host of the CBS uh, Fantasy Baseball Today podcast, is going to be coming on the show tomorrow. We're going to talk about some April surprises, good and bad. One of the bad surprises we're going to talk about is the early performance of Manny Machado. So I am not really that worried. You know, we're still talking about an all-world player. We got Tatis back in the lineup now, so you're just going to have more potential there for a more potent offense, which will lead to more counting stats that go around for everybody. So uh, my worry level for Machado is probably like, a two at this point. It has not looked great. It has not looked great so far. He's 20 for his first 91. He has one homer. He has one steal. He has only seven runs and seven ribbies. Not good, but I think we're still too early to be pressing the panic button. I, If you want to sell, you're probably not going to get full proper value. Machado was going at the end of the first round in most drafts. I don't know that you're going to get back a similarly valued player right now. Uh, based on the way that he has started out. So my advice for Machado, we'll see what Chris Towers has to say tomorrow, but for now, my advice uh, would be, 
to hold on to Manny Machado. I don't have really that high level of concern regarding him uh, going forward. Sean is asking, I have number one waiver priority in my league, and someone dropped Logan Webb. Uh, yeah, I would say so, unless we're talking a very, very shallow league, but I, I don't see a league where Logan Webb should be available. The strikeouts have been there this year, which is not something that we have seen from Logan Webb uh, in the past. You know, his strikeout rate this year, let me just pull it up. Uh, I'm going to guess it's probably close to 30% to this point. Uh, it is uh, 29.5 with a 3.3% walk rate. You know, he's gotten a little bit unlucky. He's got the 440 ERA, but he has looked very good, uh, I think, to this point of the season through a fairly, you know, not the hardest schedule, not the easiest schedule, though, either. Started the year at the Yankees and then the White Sox and then to the Dodgers. He faced Miami uh, in Miami, and then he faced the Mets last time out and looked very good. I don't know why Logan Webb would be dropped. Uh, I would, yes, absolutely use your priority add on him. I can't think of a league uh where he would have been dropped. Maybe, I guess, it was an eight-team league, maybe, for streaming purposes. Somebody has a deep pitching staff. They thought that they could get by without him. It's still way too soon. Uh, maybe they're just looking strictly at the ERA number and not liking that. that. That's the only thing I can think of. Because if you look under the hood, it looks very good so far for Logan Webb. Uh, Peralta or Robert Jr., who wins the trade points league? Peralta, I'm going to have to assume it's Freddie Peralta. Uh, I, I don't know another Peralta that would make any kind of sense in the deal. For Luis Robert, um, you know, Freddie Peralta is somebody that I like. He's somebody that has looked pretty solid to this point. I know his last couple starts have not been the greatest. Again, he is somebody who has faced a rather challenging schedule as well. Uh, Mets, St. Louis, at San Diego, and then Boston. He didn't look great against Boston, which is not the you know the greatest sign. Um, I'm still I'm still a fairly big fan of him, uh, but you got to take Luis Robert. I think you know pitchers usually do have more value in the grand scheme of things in a points league. But I think Luis Robert, considering the upside there in terms of the five tools, the five cat, I know that batting average doesn't really count in the points league, uh, but you're still getting a lot of hits out of him. You got potential for a lot of steals with a lot of home runs. Uh, you know, I, I would still go with Luis Robert there. I think that that's a fairly lopsided trade, to be honest. I I I don't know why somebody would want to trade uh, Luis Robert for Freddie Peralta unless they were really desperate for pitching. But Robert has been pretty okay this year. The batting average lower than we'd hoped for. Uh, but to this point, he's staying healthy, knock on wood, and he's looked uh, pretty good to this point. Ryan Presley has been dropped in a couple of my Yahoo Roto leagues, which is kind of crazy, but still kind of not. I know what you mean. Uh, what is the deal with him this year? Passed over for Abreu for two save opportunities this weekend. Uh, do I put a fairly high fab bid on him? I think that you probably do. Like, I'm somebody who has him as well. I have him in my home league. And, yes, it has been concerning for sure to see Ryan Presley not get the save opportunities. I have to assume that there is something wrong. But at the same time, he pitched the three days prior to those save opportunities. He did get the save against Atlanta. Uh, that was on, was it on Friday? Yeah, it was on Friday. He got the save against Atlanta, and he also pitched the two previous days against the Blue Jays. All good performances, all three shutout innings. Um, I think that there might be something in terms of, I'm not really sure. Dusty Baker said he was not available yesterday. Is it some kind of illness? It is some kind of maybe a family thing? I'm not sure. I think if it was an injury, they would tell us. So it's not like I'm worried that there's going to be some kind of big injury news regarding Ryan Presley. I think to this point, yes, he's been a disappointing draft pick, um, but there, he's somebody where, yeah, I think at the same time, he is going to get likely the majority of the opportunities there to close going forward uh, in Houston. A couple people chimed in about Brian Abreu. 
Uh, you know, one guy said, I roster Brian Abreu and hoping Presley loses his job. Um, but, yeah, I, I think that at the same time, and this guy who's commenting is the same thing, uh, you know, you have to put in a good, solid bid for Ryan Presley, unless he's somebody that was dropped a while ago and he's been sitting there and no one cares about him. But assuming this is like your first go at getting Ryan Presley, I think that you got to put in probably like a 20% bid on him at least. I don't know if that's going to even do it necessarily. It might take more than a 20% bid to get him done, but I think that's probably what I would be generally uh, willing to put up for him, and I think that would probably warrant it. So I, I know there's concern, and I know that they have some viable arms as well, but Ryan Presley has been their guy, you know, as recently as a couple of days ago. Uh, he pitched three days in a row. I think that they're probably just giving him an extra day of rest, and I think maybe he was a little bit under the weather or something, but I don't, I'm not overly concerned uh, to this point about Ryan Presley. I would still be bidding on him. If he is dropped, he is somebody that should not be available uh, in your league at this point. Uh, drop Santander for Yoshida. Yes, I would pick up Yoshida there in a heartbeat. Um, Yoshida, I've talked about him a lot. He is somebody that I'm a big fan of. Santander has looked brutal to this point. I'm very happy to make that switch. Uh, is Neto ready for prime, or Nito, excuse me, Zach Nito, uh, the shortstop for the Angels, ready for prime time? It appears so far he's been rushed in retainer leagues, so dynasty keeper leagues. Uh, can we expect him to produce average shortstop value by this, <coughs> excuse me, by this time next year? Very tough question. Uh, I, I agree with you. It looks like maybe he is not fully ready yet. Um, I, I think maybe we got a little bit too overexcited about Zach Nito uh, in terms of maybe some shallower leagues. He's more of a deeper league guy where you need the playing time, where you need the shortstop. There's a couple leagues where I need a shortstop. You know, I lost Tim Anderson in one league. I picked up Nito, and he's been filling in there. And he's been okay. He's six for his first 30. He's got two runs. He's got an RBI. Now, he's not been leading off like he had those first, or it was actually starting in the second game where he let off, and then he did it again in the third game, and then since then he's been back uh, bottom of the order. I don't know what the projection is for him if he's a long-term guy. He's still so young. He skipped a level in the minors. Uh, you know, he just got drafted a year ago. He, he's somebody where it's. I think it's still too early for us to really even know what he is going to be necessarily. He came up very quickly. It might have been too quickly. Uh, he did look amazing at the minors, but I'd, I'd be patient if you added him uh, in your deeper leagues. He's not somebody that I'd be interested in. Like, he's 8% rostered in Yahoo leagues. I'm not interested there, uh, you know, in terms of your typical Yahoo shallow league. But I think in a deeper league slash keeper league, uh, he's still somebody I'd be interested in. Will he be an average shortstop by next year? Um, I, I don't. It's so hard to answer. He'll be 23 next year. He'll be in a good lineup. I mean, I'm who knows what the Angels will look like next year? Will they'll have Otani? Will they still have Trout? Will they have traded? You know, if Otani leaves, will they keep Trout? Will you know? It's kind of a wild card what the rest of the lineup will look like. But I think in terms of his development, you're looking at a guy who has potential for strong power, good speed numbers. He's shown good patience at the minor leagues. Uh, the walk rates are very solid. The strikeout rates are not not crazy high, not crazy low. Um, you know, good batting average potential. I, I think that he can be a very solid fantasy asset. I'm just not really sure of the timeline because of the way that he came up so quickly. I'm not sure if he's going to go back down. He likely will at some point, I would imagine. Uh, I'm still not really 100% sure uh, about the timeline for Zach Nito. So answering about what he'll be in a year, it's very hard to say. But I am a fan. Uh, I do like what he brings to the table. 
uh, in terms of you know the profile. So far, it has not played out, but I think uh, we're still looking at somebody who could be a good fantasy impact player, especially if they do end up putting him back at the top of that order, and he does have Otani and Trout behind him. They showed that they would do that. They had to show a willingness to do that as soon as he came up. Maybe we see that happen again. Uh, I think Taylor Ward may have been out for those games, but who knows? Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. Um, he could go back up to the top. Maybe he doesn't, but uh, he's he's an interesting player for sure. It's just very hard to answer what it will look like uh, a year down the road. Last question I got here, what to do with Gunnar Henderson? Very popular question I've gotten. He's another guy we're going to talk about tomorrow with Chris Towers. Uh, he is on the outline. There's nothing you can do. Uh, you spent the top 100 traffic on him in a lot of cases. Maybe you got lucky and got him outside the top 100. Um to this point, he has 13 runs. He has one homer, one steal, three RBIs. He's not looked very good um, at all. But I think it's still too soon to be pulling the plug, and it's still too soon to be trading low, to be selling low on him, because you paid quite a bit for him. Uh, unless you're able to get something that's kind of similar value-wise, you know, if you're getting a top 150 player back, then I'd maybe consider it. Uh, but for the most part, you're probably not going to be getting back somebody that is going to be worthwhile. The reason somebody would be trying to acquire him is because the price is going to be low. So I think you're holding on. I think you are still, maybe you're going to bench him. Um, but I think for the most part here still, you're you're holding Gunnar Henderson, right? Uh, it's still too soon to be giving up on a guy with his kind of profile. We saw it even in a short sample at last year at 116 at-bats. He looked pretty solid. Gave you 30 runs in RBIs put together. He gave you four homers. He stole a base. Batted 259. Uh, you know, there's a ton of potential there. He's number one prospect in baseball, or maybe he was number two. Uh, I think he might have at one point been number one. I can't remember how it worked between him and Carroll. But there's too much pedigree to give up on at this point of the season, I think. I think the Orioles lineup is better than a lot of people think, a lot of casual people might expect. I mean, to this point, they're 14-7. and seven. Uh, You know, they look pretty good, even if it hasn't really come from the offensive numbers point of view. Uh, you know, they're sixth in runs, they're 20th in hits, they're 19th in average, yeah. They're 16th in home runs. They look kind of average if you just look at it like that, but they steal bases. They're second in steals. Uh, they've, they've, they're kind of a nice offense, and I think Gunnar Henderson, give him time. He'll be more of a piece of that puzzle, and I think there's a potential for a lot of counting stats to go along with good power, good speed, and I think the batting average, well, I mean, it'll get better than what we've seen, 183. Um, but, you know, I would say on the other side of that, if someone's trying to sell Gunnar Henderson in your league because they're sick of him or they're trying to drop him, then go pick him up or go – and trade for them because if you can get them for a player who is fairly cheap at this point then you should probably be trying to do that i think that he's going to be a lot better than what we have seen uh to this point guys that's going to do it for me though appreciate you guys as always checking us out here on the show subscribing and rating and review guys if you rate and review the show i will really appreciate that uh, it's it's very tricky to be seen in this world. There's a lot of podcasts, so anything you guys can do to help us out uh, would mean a lot, and that would mean rating and reviewing the podcast, whether it be on Apple or Google, Spotify, wherever it is that you're listening that allows ratings and reviews, uh, that would be very much appreciated. Check me out over on Twitter, at JoeOrico99, at EthosFantasyBB, E-T-H-O-S, FantasyBB. That's where we post out all of our new podcasts, articles, news and notes. Everything goes out at Ethos Fantasy BB. so please do be checking it out. Guys, we'll see you tomorrow with Chris Towers. That'll be mid-afternoon recording, so probably about this time where I am right now tomorrow, uh, probably 5, 6 o'clock neighborhood. You guys will see that episode. We'll be talking April surprises, but until then, have a great evening, guys. Take care. We'll see you tomorrow.
You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.